welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and today I am going to be talking about performance bodybuilding, which is my method of program design. And I'm really proud to say my method, and the reason I am doing this podcast is because I realized I have a method. I have a fucking training method, which is a really cool thing. And it was it was a cool feeling for me because I was recently interviewed on a podcast and that's why they had me on. They were like, man, like um, I used, it was an ex-client. They're like, I used the performance bodybuilding method with you and I've used some of the principles I learned from you. I see that so many people have used it in the tailored trainer because there's literally programs called performance bodybuilding and even bulletproof bodybuilding, which uses many of the same concepts, all of which that can be found at tailoredcoachingmethod.com slash tailored dash trainer, shameless plug, link is in the description. Um, but then he also mentioned the WWE wrestlers I've put through it, some of the physique athletes, all these different people. And he was like, I really want to know how you came up with this, why you use it, and why it's so beneficial. So that's what I'm going to break down today. And I'm going to try to keep it in, you know, about a 10 to 15 minute capacity because that's what these podcast shorts are all about. Um, but I was really excited to realize like, man, I actually do something different. And I think that, you know, when we look at training and program design, there are principles and principles always have to be followed. That is the scientific principles of strength training, hypertrophy, nutrition. There is principles amongst everything and you cannot change principles. The principle of fat loss and nutrition is calories in versus calories out, energy balance. Like you can't really defy that principle. Uh, progressive overload, movement patterns, periodization, volume, intensity, frequency. These are staple principles that the science uses as things to equate differences in, in comparing groups during research, so on and so forth. But a method is how we organize these principles. A method is how we use these principles. A method is art. And the art of program design is something that only a specific amount of people with a lot of experience, a lot of understanding of training principles actually have and can acquire through a lot of experience working with people. And I'm proud to say that I've done that after over a decade of training people. And uh, there's a lot of people who just slap exercises on a piece of paper and it's really just a list of exercises. It is not a program. It is not artful. It is not a method. Performance bodybuilding is my method that I have accumulated over years and years and years of working with people and learning from some of the greatest people out there. So I'm just going to shout out some names because over the years I have learned a lot from uh, Christian Thibodeau, Joe DeFranco, uh, Dave Tate, John Russin, um, Louis Simmons, um, and even some of the newer people like Brad Schoenfeld, uh, Mike Isretel, some of the, the hypertrophy people, um, but a lot of people from the old grungy strength training days. And I took so much from all these people and I really started piecing together how I saw most fit for the clients I was working with. And the people I was working with wanted to do exactly with like what I'm going to kind of title this podcast. And that is they wanted to train like an athlete, but look like a bodybuilder, essentially, right? And a bodybuilder could be a physique athlete, could be uh, like a swimsuit model, could be a bikini athlete. Like the point is they wanted to look like they were a physique athlete, but they wanted to train like a, an athletic person. They wanted to be dynamic. And they would come to me and they're like, man, I want to lose fat and build muscle. I want to look the part, but I really want to have fun in my training. I want to be excited about training. I want to feel like an athlete, like I used to feel when I played sports. I want to be agile. I want my joints to feel good. I want to be able to bend over and crawl around with my little kids and daughter and son and so on and so forth. I want to be able to pay, pick up basketball. I want to go on a hike. I want to be able to move stuff in the garage without having low back pain the next day. I want to be able to mow the lawn and weed and, and do the gutters and shit like that without being in pain or fearing that I'm going to hurt myself. 
and this sounds kind of funny to some people they are probably laughing right now, but the reality is, is as we age, as we get older, as we get older and older in our adult life, we realize that life doesn't throw crazy obstacles at us that often. Now, we should be prepared for when it does, and I'll explain how some of this actually does apply to things like falling downstairs or getting in a car accident, things like that. But also, we have to understand that training for functionality for life is usually things like carrying groceries, doing stuff around the house, playing with your kids, going on a hike, like things like that, camping. We want to be able to feel good, right? And this also applies to nutrition, like your diet, your digestion, your biofeedback, your sleep, like those things matter. When it comes to training, I created performance bodybuilding as a way to safely train people like athletes while still accomplishing the physique goals that they had. And that's what performance bodybuilding is. And again, you can find these programs in the Taylor Trainer. You can also find a free ebook that has sample programs and a breakdown of all this in writing uh, on the website. If you go to taylorcoachingmethod.com slash guides, which is linked in the description of this podcast as well, you can find a whole ebook. It's a free ebook. You can download it for free instantly and it'll cover all this stuff. Um, But... I created this because I had these clients coming to me. And it was also how I like to train. I wanted to be explosive. I wanted to be reactive. I wanted to be powerful and strong. But I also wanted to look like a bodybuilder and or a football player or a fighter or something like that in my mind. You know, women, you might be thinking a soccer player or a CrossFit athlete, something like that. And this is how we accomplish that. It truly is. But the problem is, is that we can't always train like a CrossFitter. We can't train like Olympic lifter. We can't train like an athlete because we are not an athlete. So we have to make the right exercise substitutions and we have to tweak volume, intensity, and frequency using the scientific principles of strength training in order to optimize ourselves and our ability to train this way while still accomplishing the goal of looking and feeling like an athlete and bodybuilder. So um, I'm going to break down the entire system in as brief of a podcast as I possibly can. And the first thing that we do in any type of performance bodybuilding session is going to be the dynamic warm-up. Now, this can change per lower or upper body session uh, because we do have different training splits. You could use a performance bodybuilding method in a three-day full body split. Um, I probably would lean towards an upper lower full, so not just three days of full body, but like doing an upper day, a lower day, and then a full body day. Um, or maybe even a lower upper and then full. It depends on how we want to space out the days for better recovery. Um, But most likely uh, the two like cornerstone program splits for a performance bodybuilding program is going to be an upper lower split and you would have two uppers and two lower days and those would be broken down into a power slash max effort day and then a power slash repetition day. So you're having one day where you do a little bit of explosiveness and then some heavy lifting and then you have another day that you are doing a little bit of explosiveness and more bodybuilding style training. And then on the other split, it is going to be a higher volume more advanced split. Uh, And this is what I originally created performance bodybuilding with and that is going to be an upper lower push pull leg. So you have two days a week that are upper lower. So these are your max effort power days. So you have some power explosive work and then some heavy lifting and then you have a push pull legs, more bodybuilding, traditional uh, style of training with a little bit more functionality. So we're not just relying on machines, but more functional equipment while also still having a little bit of explosive power development for that athletic performance based feel at the beginning of that session. And then of course there is cardio aspects, right? We do implement cardio into these type of programs, but more specifically, we periodize it in an anaerobic anaerobic way. So we're trying to shift the energy systems that we're using. We don't just get on a Stairmaster for 40 minutes. We change the type of cardio 
here we're doing week to week. We shift between a aerobic, a lactic, and anaerobic energy system, which are the three main types of cardiovascular energy systems that we're going to be using in conditioning. Um, and that's the goal. It's not to just do cardio to burn calories. It is to do cardio to be conditioned metabolically, uh, training your oxidative and respiratory system to not only burn fat and get leaner, but also to create a performance outcome, right? To make you an athlete. Um, now, as we go through each and every session, we are going to have six specific phases of a workout, whether we are doing an upper day, a lower day, a push day, a pull day, it doesn't matter. It is always going to be going through these six uh, parts and sequences. The first part and sequence is a dynamic warm up. This is where we are preparing our joints. Everybody needs to do a warm up. I am the first to admit that I hate warming up. It is boring and is mind numbing, but you need to spend at least five minutes doing some warm up. So you're going to be foam rolling the key trigger points. And this is not to spend a ton of time breaking up tissue and thinking that it's going to optimize your recovery. It's more of a neurological thing. And it is to relieve some of the tension in the tissue so that you have a better range of motion temporarily, because it's not going to be forever. You know, foam rolling doesn't permanently, you know, you don't foam roll once and permanently have more flexibility and range of motion, but you do foam roll and you will more immediately have better range of motion in the training that's going to follow. And it is important to do this before you train. Um, so we're going to go through a dynamic warm-up, which will include some mobility, uh, some uh, foam rolling to relieve tissues, then some mobility, working on the main areas that we're going to be training that day, whether that's upper or lower. And we're going through dynamic movements and stretches. So no static stretching here. We're going through actual movements just to get the joints prepped. And we just need to do a little bit. And the reason I say a little bit is because it's important to understand that mobility is is, is strength at flexible ranges. And, and the reason that's important to understand is because most people think if you can touch your toes, you're, you're uh, mobile and you're not, you're flexible. But if you can't do an RDL to the floor, you are not mobile. So there's a lot of people who are flexible, but they're so weak in their stretched position and ranges that they actually have poor mobility. So a good example of this is somebody who can touch their toes and, and put their palms to the floor, their wrists to the floor, right? And straighten out their knees and have this huge hamstring flexibility. That's great. But if you can't do an RDL to a full range of motion with a, a decent amount of weight for your body weight and size, then you have no mobility because you don't have strength in those end ranges. Same thing as if you do a dip and you can get really low in that dip, but you can't get yourself up in that dip. You don't have great mobility. You have great flexibility. So we want to do a little bit of dynamic work. We want to go through moving through those end ranges to stretch the muscles, move the joints, but, but really we just want to blast through it real quick just to get you prepped, get your heart rate up a little bit, and then move on to the next phase, which is the activation phase of the training session. And the activation phase goes from um, we just got done working our joints, and now we're going to fire and activate, but not fatigue or exhaust the muscles that support those joints that we just opened up. So for example, if we have an upper body day and we are doing bench press, we might have done some shoulder mobility, some thoracic mobility in our mid-spine, stuff like that. Now we will fire our posterior chain. So before before getting into the bench press, we are going to do some band pull apart, some face pulls, some over and back, some banded lat pull downs. And we're just trying to fire up and get a pump in our traps, rear delts, rhomboids, lats, really just all the upper body, posterior chain, backside uh, musculature. And we do this with a band primarily, and we want to do it in higher rep ranges because we don't want to fatigue ourselves. We just want to get a pump. So we want to keep it joint friendly, and we want to get some blood in those muscles that are going to support the shoulder joints before we do any heavy lifting. And this is going to allow our posterior chain to activate during the bench press, which is going to make the bench press safer and more effective while we do it. Um, 
The other thing to point out too is if somebody has a bad joint in a certain area, you can really focus on that using this method. For example, if somebody has really bad elbows, I might do band curls and tricep pushdowns because I want to get some blood flow in the triceps and biceps because they have bad elbows. And that'll actually help relieve the, the elbows when going into a bench press. And, and what we're doing here is we're trying to rely on the muscles to help us move the weight versus putting a lot of sheer force and tension on the joints itself without having the muscles support those joints. For a lower body day, we might do a squat and we might do some leg curls, get the hamstrings fired up, which is going to help us get more depth in the squat and have a safer squat for the knees. Uh, we'll probably do a side plank with a row or a Copenhagen plank. Uh, typically, these anti-rotation core exercises will help external rotation of the hips and it's going to help you feel a little bit uh, stronger and be able to brace more. Your core will naturally fire and brace when you go into that deep squad. And the same thing with the deadlift, except we might not do hamstring curls, we might do glute bridges, right? So after we've done this activation phase, then we go into a primer phase. And the primer phase is being explosive in a safe manner, mimicking the same movement pattern that we are about to do for the compound lift. And so on a bench press day for an upper body, we might do a plyo push-up or a bent over chest throw with a jam ball. If we are doing a squat, we might do a jump squat or a box jump or a seated position jump squat. Um, if we're doing a deadlift, we might do a broad jump, right? And, and what we're trying to do here is mimic the hip hinge, mimic the knee uh, dominant movement. So the squat pattern, mimic the bench press or the horizontal push movement. And these things are going to fire our nervous system, much like a barbell snatch would or a speed deadlift would, which is made really popular in the West Side Conjugate Method by Louis Simmons, doing speed work to help power lifters. However, it's far less fatiguing and far easier to avoid injury with because we're not using a barbell with heavy loads and bands. We're using a eight pound jam ball. And I always tell people, don't grab the heaviest ball when you do this throw. Grab the, one of the lightest ones because Power development is about force production. And if you grab a 20-pound jam ball, you're barely going to be able to get any force behind it. Grab an 8-pound eight eight jam ball. And if you're a 115-pound female, shit, grab a 4- or 5-pound jam ball. I want you to throw that thing as hard as possible. I want you to try to break the fucking ball on the ground. And that's often what I tell clients. This is going to fire our nervous system. And when we do that, we're exciting and amplifying our central nervous system, which allows us to create this neurological effect that we do get out of heavy low rep lifting and explosive work with heavy weights. But we can get that same effect through lighter weights done safely. And the reason this is important is because this is going to help us lift heavier, safer, and it's going to help us uh, recruit more motor units and muscle fibers. So we have fast twitch and slow twitch fibers. If we recruit the fast twitch fibers and more motor units through doing these explosive uh, these explosive reps with these lighter weights in a safe manner, we can then move into the bench press or the squat or whatever we have with already having recruited more motor units, which allows our skill acquisition to be better. So we'll move through the squat better. We'll be able to lift heavier, producing more strength, which leads to more volume and more muscle growth as well. And we're recruiting high threshold motor units in fast twitch muscle fibers, which is very, very important when trying to build not only a muscular, but a dense physique. These athletes that look like freaks and they look like very, very lean and they lift heavy weights and they do sprint stuff. They have a lot of type uh, two fast twitch muscle fibers. And, and that's what we want to accomplish, which can be hard with just straight bodybuilding, but not if we do this. Um, so really, really important. The other thing to remember too, is as we age, our nervous system actually slows down and we will be less and less reactive. And this is why I actually started doing this with elderly clients. Cause I would train 
60, 70, 80 year olds. And literally I would do explosive work with them more than anything. I would do jam ball throws and like fast reaction things where I throw a a tennis ball and I want them to react and catch it because they don't know which way I'm going to bounce it towards things that I would do with youth athletes. But I would do this because I want to continually excite their nervous system and, and really fire it consistently to progress it because most of the time that is the part that slows down. And one of the leading causes of death is falling downstairs and breaking your hip. Well, why would they die and break their hip when they fall? Because they can't catch themselves because they're not reactive enough. So we could save lives with this, but also any situation in life where you fall um, or you need help, this can do it. And I can, one quick story that this applies to, even if you're not elderly, um, years ago, uh, three years ago, my three or four years ago now, uh, it was probably three and a half. My daughter was one at the oldest and she was on a hospital bed at the doctor's office, just doing a checkup. Um, and there was two nurses and both of them turned away and left her up on the high table, right? And my daughter rolled over and she literally fell off the table. I leaped off of the seat across the room and caught her, literally. Now, would she have had a serious injury or die? I, I don't know. But if she would have fallen off that, which was probably, you know, three feet high or so and hit her head at one years old or less, that could have caused some serious issues. And I caught her because I'm reactive because I trained this shit. Literally, and I know that sounds dramatic, but that literally happened, I mean, all my life. So there's a reason for this primer phase outside of just building more muscle and and performing better in your session. It carries over to all aspects of life, right? And so the next three phases of this are very, very simple. The next phase is the strength phase. Now we have gone through a dynamic warm-up and got our joints ready. We have done the activation phase and got our muscles ready to support the joints moving through these heavy compound lifts. We have done our primer phase to excite and amplify the nervous system using a similar movement pattern that we are about to execute on in the compound lift. Then we go into the strength phase, which is literally doing a compound lift, bench, squat, deadlift, overhead press, weighted chin up, variations of these. And we are going to do those in a linear progressive model over time, which means that that as the weeks go on, we will lower reps and increase intensity. So volume drops, intensity increases. This means that we might go from doing nine reps to seven reps to five reps to three reps as the weeks go on, and we're adding load as those reps drop. After three or four weeks, we switch up the exercise variation, or if we have more room to progress, we just keep on moving. But this is the classic simple strength model. Um, And again, I usually do three-week blocks during a performance bodybuilding because I think variation is key when we are trying to accomplish uh, performance and functionality through this type of training. But the compound lift sometimes will stay for six weeks or more. And this is just basically how much room do you have to progress? The more advanced somebody gets, the more often I'm going to change those out so they don't get overuse injuries, but also because... They've done everything so they can progress quicker, which means if we throw them a uh, barbell uh, split squat with a front foot elevated, they have the, the motor, the, the skills and the, the motor units and everything and the, the experience of lifting to progress at that really quick, to get it basically session one and start progressing at it. And therefore, I can change those compound lifts out every three weeks. Uh, for somebody who's more intermediate, I'm going to go for six weeks, so I'll change out the everything that follows the uh, compound lift, which I'm going to get to in a sec, but I will keep the compound lift and we'll go like, for example, again, like seven, five, three, week one, two, three, and then we'll go seven, five, three again for three more weeks before changing that barbell back squat to a front squat or a box squat or something else. Um, And then for somebody who's a beginner, I'm going to go nine weeks. So I'm going to go three blocks in a row with that compound lift because again, the less experienced you are, the more room you have to progress strength in that movement before you need to change it out. After the strength phase, we go into the accessory phase, which you can bleed some isolation exercises into, but the accessory phase is pretty simple, and this will change out every three weeks to, to avoid training boredom and to keep your keep you engaged in the training and pushing yourself, but the accessory exercises are pretty much going to be 
exercises that are designed to improve your compound lift of the other day. And what that means is that you might have a squat on your first leg day and a deadlift on the second leg day. After your squat, you are going to do an accessory exercise that helps you get better at the deadlift. Um, after your bench press, you're going to do an accessory exercise that helps you get better at the overhead press, if that's the other movement you're doing, so on and so forth. And on the other day, you do the opposite, obviously. But these are exercises like unilateral patterns, um, which is one of the, uh, I would say, principles inside of this method as well inside of my coaching is always making sure you have at least one unilateral exercise to avoid creating or in increasing imbalances but also limiting them and getting better with your movement patterns but essentially you have things like one arm rows and presses and lunges and chin-ups and all kinds of different exercises that you can use here um, functional accessory exercises that are going to promote improvements of strength in the compound lifts usually of the other day I typically will make these supersets as well, like a push pull or a leg extension leg curl or a lunge hip thrust because we do want to have some kind of metabolic aspect. We also want to improve work capacity if we are trying to be more of an uh, quote unquote athlete, right? And work capacity is just basically how much volume can we squeeze into a time frame. Um, and then the last phase is an isolation slash metabolic phase. And this is where we would put isolation exercises, which could be for your core, could be for your uh, arms or shoulders or glutes. It could be more metabolic type training, which could be very high rep curls and lateral raises, hip thrusts, hip abductions, things like that. Or it could be straight up cardio and metabolic training on the assault bike, for example. But no matter what, this last phase is where we are cranking up the reps. We are trying to exhaust the muscles that we are training and we implement more of the bodybuilding aesthetic based training, whether that is for fat loss or muscle growth purposes. The accessory phase is going to be a, a blend between strength and hypertrophy, blend and uh, of strength and aesthetics. But the final phase is the exhaustion phase. It's where we are just purely isolating or doing metabolic training. So I try to keep this as short as possible. It's 20 minutes long now. Uh, but we went through the dynamic warm-up, the activation phase, the primer phase, the strength phase, the accessory uh, phase, and the isolation slash metabolic phase. And the, this is the sequence of a performance bodybuilding training program, which is how you train like an athlete and look like a bodybuilder. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want the written version with a sample program, check out our free guides because we have those uh, more than just this one, but we have one called Performance Bodybuilding where I lay it all out um, in a pretty in-depth guide for you. And that is at tailoredcoachingmethod.com slash guide. Guides. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you leave a five-star rating and review. If you did, share it with a friend if somebody else needs to check this podcast out. Um, and as always, we appreciate you guys, and we will catch you next time.